Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 46 of the Stomp the Bus Show. I'm your host, Mark Harris, coming at you solo this episode. And uh, we have some interesting stuff to talk about today. You know, Dillingham recently made some comments on Monday. Uh, Tennessee got their punishment from the NCAA. And I think uh, that's good news for ASU in the way uh, the punishment was actually handed out. And Pac-12 Media Days is tomorrow. July 21st, a media deal will not be completed by then. Um, although some of the quotes that, uh, at least on the ESPN article from Heather Dinich, uh, some of the quotes given to them on that article were pretty interesting um, and possibly indicate that uh, leaders of the conference feel really good about a potential deal coming down the line. So, you know, whatever that means. And, uh, ASU players were voted for the all Pac-12 first and second team. And then uh, the Pac-12 preseason poll came out today as well. And so, you know, just a little bit of everything here in the summer. Um, Please like and subscribe on YouTube, rate and review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, I also realized that since I'm recording this on, uh, you know, late afternoon Thursday, a lot of the Pac-12 Media Day discussion um, won't be quite as relevant since you might be listening to this later on, but please l- listen to it anyway. Um, you know, just an independent YouTube channel here trying to make my way in the world. <laughs> that was a little too uh, a little too self-important there. Um, anyway, new ASU head football coach Kenny Dillingham had a press conference on Monday in which... He spoke about a lot of things, but, you know, he spoke about going to camp Tonazona, spoke about, you know, just general stuff, um, which is all fine and well. But I think he kind of talked about two things um, that are currently affecting ASU, and I thought he talked about them in a really smart way. And so first thing, he was asked about NIL, and one of his comments was about and I don't have the quotes in front of me. One of his comments on NIL was about 75 to 80% of recruiting is NIL. Um, And within that answer, he also went on to say, we don't do NIL inducements for freshmen, which basically means, hey, we're just going to offer, you know, linebacker X and say, hey, uh, you can get 20,000 as a freshman. Um, from Dillingham's mindset, it's not going to work that way. It's more of a retention NIL strategy. And, you know, Jalen Conyers and Elijah Badger and Jordan Clark are still on the team. So that has to be working to some level. Obviously, ASU's NIL efforts are not, uh, they're not high end. It just depends kind of where in the middle they fall among Power Five. But anyway, um, and what I like about this is there's a clear strategy. There's a clear strategy of, hey, we we know where we're at in the world right now, and we're not going to offer, we're not going to make false promises. We're not going to just get a kid to come to ASU solely because of NIL. He would mention in another answer about he they're going after kids who really want to go to ASU, and then the NIL will follow. And, it, and so it just shows that he's very um, – set in their strategy and it seems like there's a very um 
very specific focus for them on the recruiting trail, which I like. And, you know, that's look, they have a good chunk of commits right now and we're just past mid July. So I haven't been able to say that the last few years. Um, but I think, I think it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good strategy for Dillingham. Cause I, I mean, I'm obviously he would rather, well, not rather, but any coach would rather have unlimited NIL resources to work with, right. Who wouldn't, um, Dillingham on the other hand is kind of using it more as an opportunity to say, Hey, if you come here, you can make blank if you start and Hey, look at tight end X is making this and wide receiver Y is making this. If you become that, you could make that too. Um, and ASU is not the only school with this kind of NIL strategy either. So that's important to note as well. Um, so I liked that. I, and it also shows that Dillingham is not trying to swim upstream against NIL. He isn't fighting it. He isn't saying it's the end of the world. Uh, cough, Michael Crow, cough, Ray Anderson, which is what they did when it first happened. Um, and that kind of put ASU in an NIL deficit for a bit there. That was a few years ago. They've caught up now. Um, so I like that mindset from your head coach. And another thing he mentioned was they are trying to recruit the guys who want to be at ASU. And as part of that answer, Dillingham mentioned that just kind of offhand, which I found interesting. Oh yeah. You know, we could have, you know, four, four stars or four, uh, you know, a handful of four stars committed already. Uh, but they just weren't the right fit. And we don't want to bring in guys who aren't the right fit. And when I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, when I first saw that quote, I was like, well, Dillingham, we, you know, you need high end blue chip players to win games. You know, you know, we can all live in the world where everyone gets developed, but you need talent to win as well. But when I thought about it a little bit more, it's like, no, Dillingham knows that you need talent and he knows that you need high end, you know, high end uh, four star recruits because, and, and he knows that by the fact that he, for one is, you know, his words said that ASU could have been able to get them. And secondly, he's acknowledging by saying four stars at all, he's acknowledging that he does have some reference of recruiting rankings and knows why they're important and knows that, you know, all the high end teams in college football have high end talented players from, you know, that were highly rated in high school via recruiting rankings. And so when he mentions, Oh, we could have had these, you know, whatever five, four-star players. Um, to me, it means that they're focusing more on fit and who wants to be here rather than star chasing, rather than going down the 24 seven, the rivals, the on three recruiting list and saying, Oh, player X has four stars. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't really want to come to ASU, but we could get him, but it's like, no, we're not going to do that. We want the, we want the, you know, a, a high three star who really wants to come to ASU. And when you have all of those kids on the team, it, you know, just gels better because everyone's pulling in the same way. And that's not to say that high end players are more selfish or anything. He was just using those recruits as an example. Um, and it also shows to me that for one, I expect that there to be some four-star commitments down the road. You know, for, he's already landed two four-star quarterbacks, right? He landed 
Rashada, I almost, I almost called him Delore. Uh, Rashada, Jaden Rashada, last in last recruiting cycle, and then in the 2025 cycle, I uh, picked up Butter Tolson from Southern California, both four stars. And so I doubt that I doubt that his ideas. Oh, we we only need to get four star quarterbacks and no one else. No. Um, he he knows the importance of star ratings, and the the reason that's important is because you don't want a coach that's just going to have their head in the sand and be like, Oh, you know, we don't pay attention to that at all. That doesn't matter. Stars don't matter. It's like, nah, they do. They do not 100% of the time. And, you know, for where ASU is at right now, look, we're just trying, I would be, would be thrilled with a seven and five season. You'll need, you can coach and develop your way to seven and five seasons. That's not the end goal obviously well for this year it might be but in the future it's not the end goal and dillingham i'm sure knows that but he also wants to set the culture and by setting the culture you bring in the guys who fit and set the work ethic expectations set the culture all these you know tangential football things that fans like me often roll their eyes at but they do matter they do matter and so you can't just assemble an all-star team um, and expect it to always go well. So I really like his thoughts on NIL. It just, it seems like he gets it. And one of his other NIL um, points that he made was we have an opportunity to grow the NIL and get all the Valley involved. And he mentioned, you know, if, if you're a business owner and you think your one business doesn't matter, uh, you're wrong because, you can impact even one player and then it just builds on top of each other, you know? And so that is a very different mindset that ASU baseball coach Willie Bloomquist had following the transfer of shortstop Luke Hill to Ole Miss. I'm going to get back into that. Uh, where Bloomquist was basically just saying, oh, NIL is bad. And, you know, the player he said something along the lines of the players in the locker room are happy he's gone. Not that exact phrasing, but uh, we'll be better off without him. All this stuff that just sounds like a jilted lover. Uh, whereas Dillingham is having the mindset of if we get all these people involved, if we continue to grow, if we can, if we continue, if we have success on the field, obviously that will help as well. And Hey, like, sure. We aren't using NIL for, uh, you know, inducements to uh high school recruits but will say hey you can do this if you're successful at arizona state you can make this so um he has a very forward-thinking mindset on it and he is he has embraced nil and that doesn't mean that asu because dillingham arrived and he embraces nil that doesn't mean you know there's automatically going to be you know, $6 million dropped into the Sun Angels collective tomorrow. But he understands that by continuing to activate the Valley, excuse me, you get, you know, more people involved and then you have more NIL resources to work with. Bloomquist, like I said, took the opposite approach and he just, he mentioned how it was bad and it's ruining college baseball and, all this. And I, I don't blame him for having those thoughts and those complaints. 
but I blame him for saying it in a press conference right after a player left. I mean, this look, th this is a great way for opposing baseball programs to recruit against ASU. If you're just going to have this woe is me mindset and you kind of uh, crap on the kid when he's leaving, you know, that's, that's, it, it, it may feel good to say in the moment, but that's, it's not going to be good in the future. And I, I, I still like what Bloomquist has done with the, the team, the program, they should have made it NCAA tournament last year. There was clear improvement last year. So it's not the end of the world that he said this, but it is very, it just feels sore loser. Isn't the right word or phrase, but it just feels like, I don't know. It it's, it just doesn't come off well at all. And, you know, he's not the only, he's not the first coach that's had someone leave in the transfer portal, you know? And by the way, Look, they picked up Luke Kieschel from University of San Francisco last year. Was he complaining about NIL in the transfer portal then? No. So, you know, adapt. It's not like ASU baseball has no fan base, you know. They have old alums who have supported the program for a long time, many of whom I assume have money. And so he mentioned in his press conference that, oh, a lot of the alumni don't like it. Well, Look, like, I don't like a lot of things. You know, there's plenty of things I don't like, but you can't just snap your fingers and wish it were gone just because you don't like it. So talk with the alumni. Use this opportunity to fundraise for the Sun Angel Collective. I don't know. Like, you, it, it's not like we're at NAU baseball or something. I don't even know if they have a program, you know, like, and I get that SEC schools do have more money because of the TV deal and oftentimes a more passionate fan base. I get it. Um, but you have to adapt. Look at Bobby Hurley. Bobby Hurley has not complained about NIL once, once since uh, it became a thing as ASU basketball coach. And if anyone has reason to complain about it, it's him because ASU, you know, relative to other power five college basketball fan bases, ASU's is, uh, you know, below average. And I wouldn't say that for ASU baseball at all. I'd say it was probably above average. Um, and ASU football is probably somewhere in the middle. But anyway, with with Hurley, you know, look, you have only three guys coming back. Just three guys. Warren Washington is gone. Devin Cambridge is gone. Frankie Nunez is gone. Um, Duke Brennan is gone. There's other, there's other players I'm not even remembering right now. Some of them, you know, left because their eligibility was gone. But DJ Horn is gone back to North Carolina State. Or not back there because he grew up in Raleigh. But anyway, um, he has reason to complain, but he hasn't done that. Instead, guess what? He's adapted. They have continued to bring in players through the transfer portal. You bring in the two guys from LSU. You bring Kamari Lance from Louisville. You adapt. And I'm sure there's some NIL as well. So you just... You just have to adapt. And Dillingham seems much more adaptable at this point than Bloomquist. This could all change, you know. But just to wrap this kind of part up, I'm I like what I'm hearing from Dillingham because you know, and he knows that ASU is not the richest when it comes to NIL at this point either. So it's not like he's at you know Tennessee or Oregon where they have seemingly endless amounts of NIL money coming coming in. Um, one last point on ASU basketball before 
uh, I switched topics, but Jemiah Neal had 45 points, I believe at a recent pro-am. And I think at another 40 point game in another tournament like that, uh, that's, that's really good to see, you know, with Neil, look, he entered the portal and came back to ASU. He had a really, really good finish to the end of last year's season. Uh, and you could, you, you, with him, you could always see the athleticism and the burst. Um, but the ball handling wasn't quite there. The shooting wasn't always quite there. So to see that he kind of has been putting some stuff together because in these pro-ams, you know, like they're still playing against like college basketball players and stuff. So yeah, like 45 points in a pro-am, it's not like you're hanging a banner for that or anything, but it's still an impressive uh, thing to do. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him and Frankie Collins uh, in the backcourt this upcoming season. Um, as I think ASU, uh, I think they're heading to France and Greece uh, I think in the last week of July as well. So that's pretty cool for them. All right. Earlier this week, the Tennessee volunteers football team received a punishment from the NCAA. Uh, this is the, this was the story about, uh, Hannah recruits cash in McDonald's bags. Apparently the Tennessee assistant coaches withdrew like thousands of dollars worth of cash from ATMs and claimed that like, it was for their girlfriend shopping or something, which um, Bud Elliott on Twitter, he's a great college football Twitter follow. He was saying like, what jobs actually require you to take out thousands of dollars worth of cash? And he thought of, you know, like companies where you're working with day laborers, like a construction foreman or landscaping or something like that, or just, you know, illegal activity. Um, and, you know, you have these Tennessee coaches just taking out thousands of dollars worth of money uh, to pay recruits, which look morally, that's not wrong at all, but this happened before NIL was passed and all that. So anyway, they get, you know, a slap on the wrist from the NCAA. There's no bull ban, none. And yeah, they have, they lose some scholarships and they have to pay a fine or whatever, but ultimately they avoided the biggest real detriment, which is a bull ban or a postseason ban. How does this affect ASU? Well, as you know, Sun Devil fans are well aware of, there was a large investigation into the program uh, in 2021 following, uh, uh, what's the phrasing that they use? Just uh, Ill illegal or impermitted uh, recruiting practices during COVID, having recruits on campus during a dead period, all that fun stuff that uh, we've been talking about for Geez, it's been two years now because that dropped in uh, like June of 2021. So still going on, but it affects ASU because the Tennessee punishment kind of sets a precedent of no more bull bans, no more postseason bans. And of course, we don't know how this is actually going to hit ASU, but it does seem like the days of two-year bull bans and really just hamstringing a program like that are over and that's great for ASU because if you're Dillingham if you're the program you don't want you don't want a bull band coming in you know next season after you go eight and four hopefully or something like that you don't want that at all and that, that can be a real detriment in recruiting and it just it kind of looks like ASU is going to avoid that now they haven't avoided punishment from the investigation because 
all of the things that occurred after that report dropped in 2021 were, you know, an, an inconsistent 2021 season, all the guys transferring out in 2021, still keeping Herm Edwards at that point. And basically, you know, in spite of what the fan base wanted. And because of that, when NIL happens, there's very little interest in all that because no one, everyone dislikes the program and just, you have a three and nine season last year and it was all a mess. Now it seems like the uh, clouds are kind of parting on that. So hopefully uh, ASU gets a similar type of punishment to Tennessee and we can all go on our merry way. All right. Pac-12 Media Day is going to be tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this, on Friday, July 21st. Yeah, 21st. Um, and annoyingly, the Pac-12 will not have a media deal announced by then, which it's it, this has gone on for so long. It's gone on for over a year that the Pac-12 has been negotiating or at least or at least, you know, said it's been negotiating for this long. How 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 often have they actually been negotiating? I don't know. I find it hard to believe they've just been doing it for an entire year, but it's and what's been annoying about it is because the void of actual news of a Pac-12 media deal has been filled with Oh, Colorado might go to the Big 12. Arizona might go to the Big 12. The four corner schools are talking about the Big 12, all this. And so it just creates a ton of stress and a ton of anxiety for fans of these schools and other schools in the Pac-12. Because we don't know. We don't know if the conference is going to be together after this upcoming season. Now, I still think the Pac-12 is going to get a, a, a deal done. It would have been very nice, very, very nice if it had been done prior to media day, because that was kind of uh, that had kind of been set as like an unofficial deadline uh, just by people who write about the conference. Just you don't want to. There's no way when the Pac-12 was gaming this out, they wanted George Kalavkov to go on stage in Vegas and not have any concrete thing to say about the media deal. It's just going to lead to more speculation, more bad headlines. And. It's it seems like the presidents just don't really care about the optics. And again, it's just optics. I get that. So it doesn't actually like matter in the negotiating room with Apple TV or Amazon or ESPN or whoever. But if you look up the Pac-12 on social media right now, it's just people dunking on it. It's just people making fun of it. And, you know, a lot of the, you know, uh, barbs and sneers are totally justified based on, you know, recent Pac-12 football results. But a lot of this is avoidable. You know, if you had just had a, a deal finished before then, then this would all be done. And, you know, there's people making jokes. Oh, the Pac-12 is going to be playing on a gas station TV. They're going to be on PBS. They're going to be on um, Tubi, you know, and there's, there's nothing anyone can say because a deal has not been done yet. And, you know, they released the statement of unity in February um, saying they, you know, all the schools are together. And we wish to consummate a deal. And it just sounds like such, you know, ivory tower, high-end academia talk that 
I'm sure that they, when they sent that out, they're like, oh, that'll settle everything. And of course it doesn't at all. It just makes them look worse because it's the, you know, official statement saying, oh, we're not going to fire the coach. And then two weeks later, the coach is fired, you know? And I think the presidents have miscalculated how little the general college football fan base, uh, A, trusts and B, believes um, conferences, high-end college football uh, officials, not like referees, but, you know, like officials, like conference commissioners, uh, university presidents, especially when it comes to realignment, because all this realignment stuff happens, you know, behind closed doors and no one knew last year that you, the LA schools were going to leave until Wilner reported it. Um, so there's just a huge amount of skepticism when it comes to official statements and uh, a president saying this, maybe there shouldn't be, but there is. And until a deal actually gets finished and done, then it will just, all the speculation will just continue. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, I can get worked up about this, but ultimately nothing has actually changed in the last year other than the Big 12 getting a media deal done. So they get theirs done and, you know, they secure the future of their conference and the Pac-12 hasn't this whole time. And everyone's like, and people are saying, okay, why can't, you know, the Big 12 got it done fairly quickly. Why couldn't you get it done fairly quickly? Um, so there's just all these things bouncing around and a lot of them don't really matter, but they all kind of do matter because it affects your brand as a conference. And look, college football is the sport out of, you know, any of the major sports in America that outs, you know, perception brand, that stuff matters, man. That ma it matters on the edges. It matters on the margins it matters in rankings. And this is a sport that decides its champion based off, rankings now usually it does sort itself out in the end but it could be the difference in you know down 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 the line of utah going to the fiesta bowl if they finish this year nine or ten and two versus a team from the big 10 who finishes 10 and two or whatever it may be you know like if you're watching this you understand how perception plays such a huge role in college football not the only role but a huge role and you know it's for me, it just seems like the Pac-12 presidents are like, oh, well, you know, this deal will be done when it's done. And I don't understand why people are even worried about it. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, you guys may be right. Like, I actually believe that they um they have something uh that's been presented to them in July. And, you know, they they gave some quotes to uh Heather Dinich of ESPN that they felt good about it, but you know, you, you can only tell people for so long without actually showing them uh, for them to believe it. And there's just been a lot of telling and not enough showing. So here's some quotes that uh, Dinich has in her article. This was on July 18th. It starts with the Pac-12 expects to release details of its highly anticipated media rights deal in the, quote, near future a league source with knowledge of the conversations told ESPN on Tuesday. So again, the near future, there have been so many near future moments in the past six months of, Oh, it'll be done in the near future. It'll be done two weeks from now. And here we are. It's the near future and nothing's done. You know, it's like soon, 
never comes, it seems. Uh, the deal will not be announced at Pac-12 Football Media Day on Friday in Las Vegas. The source told ESPN is likely to include a mix of streaming and linear options and is expected to be on par with the ACC and the Pac-12, the source said. Quote, our 10 schools have been ridiculously patient, the source said, adding that the league's patience to make a deal has led to more bidders coming to the table. Quote, that patience is about to pay off. So, I don't know. Just, uh, just, I don't know why you would say that patience is about to pay off and also say there's more bidders coming to the table if there wasn't something down the line that's coming, you know? And look, there are people that think, oh, everything that they're saying, like it's all been wrong so far. So why should we believe them now? That's a fair point. It's a fair point. I'm not going to argue with that. Like, even though I, I guess my only argument would be like, you know, they're negotiating with streamers and I'm just going to be, I like, I don't understand how TV negotiations work. Okay. <laughs> like, but I, I, you know, I think that makes me like most of the people, uh, you know, watching this saga, I think. So that would be the only legitimate reason is, oh, it just takes a while to work with, uh, you know, Apple TV and Amazon. They haven't done this before. And I think, um, it was like earlier in the summer in May, maybe uh, Wazoo's president, Kirk Schultz mentioned that layoffs at these companies uh, in the spring may have led to uh, just the companies not wanting to announce Pac-12 media rights right after that, because it would be a super bad look after you lay off a bunch of people. So that could be part of it too. Um, my thing is, I just, if you say that patience is about to pay off, that really indicate to me, that indicates that something is coming. So I think, you know, maybe I'm just being extremely naive here, but you would have, I just, I'm just putting myself in the position of that source. And I just don't know why you would just say, say something like that, unless it's just to buy time. But if, if, if I was just trying to buy time, I would be more vague than that. So if you say that patience is about to pay off, that is a, that's a guarantee of something good happening, you know? So I don't know. It's just, it's no, it's really annoying. It's taken this long. And it's also, you know, I've said on this podcast before the PAC 12 president's snootiness is what has led to the PAC 12 being in this position, but it might be the thing that, you know, ultimately keeps the PAC 12 together. And like it or not, the Pac-12 presidents do not care about what I'm saying. They don't care about what local media says. They don't care about, you know, what people on Twitter say. They do not care. And I don't, you know, I just think they should care a little bit more. That's my that's my thing. Like, I get that, you know, they deal with all sorts of big things. You know, Stanford's president is having, is having to resign for some academic issue um, from years past. So, like, again, these people have a lot of things on their plates. I understand that. But... You know, being a member of the Pac-12 is obviously important to them, too. And you want the conference you're in to have, you know, a solid brand, at least, let alone a strong brand. And right now, the brand is just gets made fun of all the time. So, you know, like on Tuesday, when all that news came out, no one was like, oh, you know, I think the Pac-12 has this figured out. No one said that. None. It was it's all just people making fun of them. And so that that stuff trickles down. That gets to recruits. 
And that, that gets used against you in recruiting battles. Look, if I was a big 12 coach, I would totally mention that in recruiting. Why would you help? Why would you not? You know, you have to use every advantage you can get. So that's what bothers me. But I do, I do think it's the thing that we always have to remember with this is for one, Oregon, Washington don't have anywhere to go. So they would have left the big 10 by now if they could. So I, they're kind of stuck in the Pac-12, it seems. So from a Pac-12 perspective, that is very good. Um, another thing is a lot of these schools – actually, let me rephrase that. All of these schools really like to be aligned with high-end academic institutions like Stanford, Cal, and Washington. I can guarantee, I don't know Michael Crow at all. I don't have any source. I can guarantee you that he really likes being in the same conference as Stanford and Cal. He really likes that because then they're peers. And guess what? ASU just got into AAU, the academic, uh, I forget what, I think it's the American Association of Universities. I know it's important for Big Ten schools uh, in terms of membership. So ASU getting into that probably doesn't happen if they're in the big 12 because they're not aligned academically with Stanford and Cal. And, you know, I honestly, as this stuff comes out of my mouth, it sounds kind of stupid that all this matters, but it does, it does because it's not, you know, sports fans like me making this decision. It's university presidents who care about other things than just winning games on the football field, as we know all too well with Mr. Michael Crow. Um, And I just don't think, you know, these schools, including Colorado and Arizona, are just going to leave to because, you know, for in Arizona's case, because basketball is better. That's I just don't think that's how it's going to play out. So, again, I could be completely wrong on this, but I just the being associated with those schools does matter. And it might be the one thing that keeps this conference together, honestly, but it does matter. Not to, you know, maybe not to you listening. I get it. Um, but you're not making the decision. I'm not making the decision. It's Michael Crow. It's Anna Marie Casse at Washington. It's Robert Robbins in Arizona. It's Phil DiStefano at Colorado, who, by the way, yesterday said that Colorado really told the Denver Post, Colorado wants to be in the Pac-12. And they had been the most rumored to go back to the Big 12. So that's an important piece of information as well. All right. Um, you know, hopefully... Hopefully that you know. Hopefully a deal gets resolved soon. This stupid storyline can go away, but hasn't happened yet. Um, I do uh, uh, preseason uh, first and second team Pac-12 teams were released earlier this week, and earlier today the preseason poll was released. Uh, they had AS. They had USC first, Washington second. Uh, Utah third, Oregon fourth, UC, uh, Oregon State fifth, and then UCLA sixth. ASU came in at tenth, which I'm not going to get that mad at. You know, they went three and nine last year. They went three and nine. You can't complain about it. If uh, you went three and nine last year, I know the transfer portal happened, but the only teams that were below you were Stanford and Cal, which they were. Guess what? They went. They were worse than you last year or at least uh, equal to you on the standings in Stanford's case. So um, that's kind of where I expected AD, ASU to slot in. And I think it's great motivation. Um, the other motivation that I think is awesome 
uh, is ASU had no players on the first or second team Pac-12. Not one, not one. And granted, there's probably only one that should have been on, that being tight end Jalen Conyers. But the fact that none are on, uh, and I think ASU was the only team to have none on the first two teams as well. That's, I mean, if you're a coach looking for motivation, that is like catnip. Uh, you know, we, we see all the fake motivation coming from, uh, you know, Georgia football last year. You had some of that with Kansas City Chiefs last year too. Um, you know, Michael Jordan would always create fake storylines so we can do better against his opponent. Well, in this case, it's not fake. It's all real. This is real motivation because you were picked 10th in the conference and the voters didn't put a single player on first or second team. So, you know, if you're a bunch of 18 to, you know, 23 year old guys in a locker room, that will motivate you. And, you know, you don't have to convince them of being motivated either. Like it's legitimate. So I think that is interesting. And then, um, ASU did have four guys on the uh, honorable mention team, and those being Roe Torrance, Jalen Conyers, uh, and then two transfers, uh, one being Slater Zellers, the long snapper from Cal, which that's an odd uh, <laughs> honorable mention long snapper. And then uh, Sacramento State transfer Cam Scatabo at running back. They actually got that one right because he's a beast. Uh, but in terms of the first or second team, but, oh, I'm sorry. Um, one of the issues, though, in the um, honorable mentions is that no Elijah Badger is honorable mention. I mean, that, come on. Like, he was probably ASU's second best player on their whole team last year. And he's not an honorable mention. He, he put up the numbers as well, despite inconsistent quarterback play. He should have been on there. But in terms of Jalen Conyers not being on first or second team Pac-12, look, um, the two tight ends that were on there, uh, first team was Brant Keithy from Utah, and second team was Benjamin Urosik from Stanford. And, you know, I know Urosik's a good player. I'm not trying to totally um, disparage him, but I just think Jalen Connors should have been on there ahead of him. And, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the stats they both had last year. Uh, you know, they're pretty similar, except in one category. And it's a pretty important category. So I'm reading them off right now. Okay. Jurassic had 49 catches for 445 yards and one touchdown last season. Okay. Solid numbers for a tight end. Uh, Jalen Conyers, 38 catches. So that's significantly below. But then 422 yards and five touchdowns. So he has he had five times the touchdowns that Urosic had last year, and what he had twenty fewer yards. I just don't understand how that doesn't put him on first team pack or second team pack twelve. He should be on there. It's look, it's ridiculous. He had he had the, basically the same amount of yardage and way more touchdowns. I mean, this isn't that difficult. Like everyone has access to ESPN.com. You can look it up. So. That's where I'm at with that. Um, you know, it's annoying, but it, again, it's an opportunity to shut them up this year. And, you know, like Colton and I picked last week, ASU is at four and a half 
wins in most sports books or in many sports books. And so I hope Dillingham shows them that as well, because all of this stuff, uh, you know, it may matter in a game. Ooh, and ad came on. All right. Well, I am pretty much done with everything for this show anyway. So uh, programming notes next week, we will be off. I will be in uh, not quite as steaming hot Bend, Oregon um, for a French basketball party. So that should be fun. And we will get back at it uh, the week after that, which we'll have a lot more to talk about because ASU will have begun training camp or fall camp. And, you know, there's a lot of storylines there. I, you know, obviously there's the quarterback, uh, how the wide receiver room will shake out, but I'm really interested on the defensive line. I think that might be ASU's weak spot right now, but if you guys step up, you know, maybe it can be an average unit relative to this team. So interested in that, interested in um, just the fallout of Pac-12 media days. I mean, maybe it won't be anything, but I mean, if you're George Klavkov, you're going up to the stage, you have no Pac-12 media deal official done yet. Um, it's going to lead to some interesting quotes. And another thing, I mean, uh, this is from a Seattle radio host, Dave Softy Mahler. He tweeted out that, Arizona emailed, you know, press members saying that they re they request, you know, no question, only questions about football towards Arizona quarterback Jaden Delora. Um, and that's interesting because he had a sexual misconduct thing that he just settled recently from his days in high school. So Pretty, pretty interesting for Arizona to send that to media members the day before Pac-12 media days. And it blows my mind that they're even bringing Delora to media days at all. But just to request that people don't ask him about that, uh, we'll see what, <laughs> we'll see where that goes, because that's just uh, an interesting uh, attempt right there from their media relations department. Um, well, with that, thank you for listening. Like I said, please like and subscribe. Rate and review on your podcast app of choice. And as always, go Devils.